Welcome, guys. Uh, this is the Ramla Man episode 12. Um, I've been gone for a little bit. Life got a little bit crazy, um, which we'll talk about a little bit about what happened. Nothing super crazy, but uh, thanks for being here. If you're listening on any of the streaming platforms, go ahead and drop a follow. If you like the content that I provide and the conversations that we have on here, um, leave a rating. Um, in a review. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, a lot of people that are watching the video stream, uh, go ahead and subscribe, drop a comment, like the video, let me know what you want to hear more about, um, and thanks for the support. Um, so, it's been, I don't remember, it's been a couple weeks since I've had a pod, podcast uploaded. Um, just haven't, it's been a little bit crazy, but, uh, the reason why I was gone for a little bit was I actually got COVID, um, which is interesting um, because it's an interesting topic to me in the sense that, you know, everybody talks about it and, you know, everybody's worried. Um, there's a couple things to me that are very important um, in terms of COVID um, just from like what I experienced. Number one. I was not, even though I have a lot of skepticism about reporting and data from COVID and the people that are supposed to be the leaders in this country and the doctors and the people that are supposed to be so smart give conflicting information, gives people a lot of distrust for the people that are supposed to be the standard for us. Um, so it gave me skepticism, which I think a lot of people should be skeptical about the true nature of uh, what they're saying and how it's portrayed. I think media is definitely one of the biggest enemies of the country and its civilians, but, you know, when the lockdown first happened or the quarantine shutdown or whatever you want to call it, um, my family took it very seriously. You know, we, before it happened, we went and got a bunch of groceries and we didn't leave our house. We didn't see anybody so much so that I didn't see my parents or they couldn't see my daughter, their granddaughter for an extended period of time. Um, and same with all of our family, you know, and it was during Easter and they did like to put out eggs for my daughter's, uh, Easter egg hunt and stuff like that, but they watched from afar, and you know, that's how serious we took it, where it was not something that we were taking lightly, even if I myself had some questions about what was really happening, and so on and so forth. Um, we took it serious, though. We didn't go anywhere. We stayed home. Um, you know, we never really went out. <clears throat> I think for the first like four weeks, we really didn't even go to the grocery store. We had gotten enough groceries to make it at least a month or so. Um, and we, we, we took all the precautions that were said. Um, what, what's interesting to me is the fact that we did that. We did what we were told. You know, we followed the rules um, to help you know, keep this from becoming something that got out of control. Um, yet, it didn't do anything. It, it may have flattened the curve, 
Um, but we still ended up in a predicament based on the numbers that are presented to us. <clears throat> and, you know, uh, we didn't get sick or anything like that at the time. And, you know, we did everything we could. And it's just, to me, it's like, you know, in theory, if everybody did what they were supposed to, the whole country locked down, everybody stayed home for four to six weeks, and the cases that were serious went to the doctor, and it was handled. Theoretically, I mean, this probably could have been something that was averted. But you have a lot of people that don't take uh, personal responsibility, you know? It's a small sacrifice, you know? If people didn't like, I'm not one to be pro shutdown. Um, I just don't believe that people should just not work and have excuses to be lazy and stuff like that. That's just my personal thought. I think that it's unhealthy from a mental and um, standpoint and like the way that people are. Um, I understand that there's certain circumstances where people may not be able to leave because they have, you know, they're immunocompromised or whatever. I understand that, but I think for the large population, you know, a shutdown is not something that's conducive, especially economically and stuff like that. And I, I'm not like a greedy person. I just think about an average American that needs money to survive, you know, um, or, you know, that a small business. And I, I happen to have been a small business owner um, that is affected by something like that. Um, so... I'm, I'm not like pro shut down, but to me, it's, you know, it's a small sacrifice to pay, um, four to six weeks, stay home, do everything you can to be personally responsible and, you know, mitigate, you know, mass spreading. And I don't know that it was legit that people just didn't listen or just didn't work. You know, in theory it would work, but obviously I think there's too many failures within the people that are in power and different structures that that we have that have failed us to really put forth a good effort to prevent this from being chaos. Um, and this is not something to blame solely on Trump. Um, people have a bad habit of, you know, uh, looking at the person <clears throat> at the head of the the ship the captain and putting placing all the blame on him when there's plenty of people that failed besides him that locally state level like on on many many different areas have failed us so the sole blame doesn't fall on the president um and that's part of the problem is people who like to use the president as a, a the person to be the the cause of blame like the person they blame everything on just because they hold this position which is um misplaces a lot of responsibility and accountability um so but back on topic of you know we did everything we were supposed to um none of us got sick you know when things started easing because we're here in texas um, we were one of the first states to reopen and start going back to normal. Everything seemed relative, relatively normal and everything was fine. Um, and our experience was, you know, um, my wife went to hang out with her sisters. Uh, one of the sisters or two of the sisters ended up 
contracting the virus without knowing because they didn't show symptoms right away. They were all together, so therefore it's safe to assume they all got it. My wife comes back, it's safe to assume that I was gonna get it, and we both had symptoms. <clears throat> we didn't get tested. My wife got tested recently just so, because she's a teacher, she'd be going back to school um, just to prove that she no longer has it or has the antibodies. <clears throat> but we both had symptoms. Um, um, and our daughter uh, seemed relatively normal through the whole thing. Um, you know, from when we knew that we were sick, we took our two-week quarantine, stayed home, avoided contact with everybody. Um, but on my experience with COVID, um, obviously, is not the same as everybody else. You know, you hear all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, the symptoms were mild, nothing crazy. Um, the weirdest thing was loss of taste and smell, and that's like 90% of people who get the virus uh, experience that, which is a very bizarre thing when I say loss of taste. Literally, you could make the strongest coffee, I could lick a bar of soap, I wouldn't taste anything. Um, smell was still hindered for a long time, even after I had no symptoms. Um, and the other symptoms I had was some fatigue, um, when it, before I started showing symptoms, I had a headache for a couple of days, but it's hard to tell with headaches because you can get a headache from, you know, a hard day of workouts or um, dehydration, whatever it may be. So it, it's hard to tell. But I remember before we really started to lose taste and smell and stuff, I had a headache for probably about two or three days. Um, I didn't really experience a lot of achiness in the body. A lot of people feel that. Um, but I didn't really get that. I just had some fatigue just felt really tired. Um, my sinuses were pretty messed up, um, but in, in a different way than normal. I normally always have like a, um, a sinus infection every year or so. This was a little bit different because of how it affected my sinuses was very different. Um, I had a, like a lot of pressure in the upper part of my nose. Um, it, it, it felt like, like I could breathe, but it still felt stuffy. So like normally when you're stuffy, like you can't really breathe through your nose. I didn't really experience that. It was more like I could breathe through my nose, but the stuffiness was so up high. Um, it was really bizarre. But that was really it. I mean, at one point I had some really weird stuff where I got like lightheaded and stuff just for like one day. I, I had a fever of 100. I didn't feel like I had a fever, but my temperature was hot. But that was it. I mean, I still continued to... F have my day normally I didn't like go anywhere but the way I would have my day normally where I work out and you know take care of stuff around the house and take care of some work stuff on the computer like I just, still the day-to-day -day was the same even though I felt a little off um, and that's how mild it was um, but I know that for some people it affects them differently um, but for us it was pretty normal and I think for a last, uh, vast majority, majority of people, that's how it would be. Um, <clears throat> but the thing that's like super interesting to me about, you know, getting it and it makes me really think is I'm generally and my wife, we're generally healthy people. Um, we've always been worked out a lot. We've always tried to eat healthy and, you know, really care about how we are in terms of health. Um, so 
it made me think to myself, you know, why is it affecting people so different here in the U.S. Co compared to other places? And, you know, we don't really get, like, really good data in general. But I think one of the things that frustrates me the most about the media and what's going on right now is, you know, we have a really big hole in being accountable for what we've created here. I mean, we face a lot of problems here in this country that are different from other countries, but one of the problems we have here is a very privileged problem of um, two-thirds of the population are obese. And when I mean obese, I mean obese, I could be considered obese just because I'm a big guy. When I say like two-thirds of the population is obese, a lot of those people suffer from issues that come from obesity, whether it be diabetes, um, problems with breathing like COPD or stuff like that, or like um, apnea and stuff. Because when you're when you're obese, it affects your health negative, negatively. And I think that that's like the most frustrating thing because as someone who takes health serious, who has worked in the health industry and who has always been an advocate for fitness, um, whether it, I don't care what kind of fitness, but if you're working on your being a healthy person and a functioning human being, um, you know, you don't have to worry about the virus. Um, because if you're healthy, your body will fight it normal. And also, I think the other thing is, you know, it's been talked about that, you know, the sun does help with killing the virus. Not that. I don't want to say that, you know, work out in the sun and you know, you'll be fine. But I do believe that, you know, working out and being out in the sun, even if you were sick, would help you, you know, help your body's immune response in a way. <clears throat> but, you know, that's one thing that people don't want to talk about is that there's a lot of people that are unhealthy and they're in that spot because they make poor choices and were presented with poor choices for options because it's cheaper to buy shit food. Um, and from there, you have a lot of people that are going to suffer from this virus more than people that are healthy. Now, I'm not ignorantly saying this, that, oh my gosh, if you just work out and you eat healthy, you'll be fine. There's obviously, it would be stupid of me not to say that there is people that will suffer from the virus differently than others be because of different conditions or diseases or disorders they have or you know they might be immune compromised and you know people there's people that have underlying or pre-existing issues that will cause them to have problems I'm not taking that lightly those people are obviously the ones that we're taking all these precautions for in the first place because those are the people that are affecting the most especially the elderly um but even with the elderly my grandfather passed from the virus he was not the healthiest individual in the world. Um, you know, he's always struggled with uh, his weight and he had diabetes and COPD. He met all the criteria to be someone that would fall victim to the virus. Um, whereas my grandmother, who's more, more or less, he's, she's older than my, older than my grandfather was. And she's healthier and she got the virus and it was just like for me, very mild, um, she takes care of herself and it's just the same thing you know even if you're older if you're taking care of yourself and you do the right things 
their chances of faring against the virus are much higher. Yet they don't talk about that. It's not something that's important that the media covers because, you know, I'm a firm believer that it doesn't make them money. You know, people that are unwell, that are fat, um, that are seeing the doctor, that makes them money. You know, healthy people have less problems um, in terms of health. Um, I'm not saying, I mean, everybody has problems, but you're going to have less problems in terms of health um, than people that are unhealthy, obviously. Um, so it, it's a very frustrating thing to look at because, like, for one, we did everything we could to help um, as a collective. Um, and it was, it seems like it was in vain, even if it wasn't, you know, if we really did help flatten the curve and the hospitals didn't get overrun, great. But it seems like it was in vain because we still ended up getting it. And the second thing that's, that I wanted to touch on is this, that it's frustrating because like your health is the most important thing. Health is wealth. It's like a cliche saying, but it's so true. Like I tell this to people that I would train and that I talk to. Ultimately, the most important thing is keeping your independence, um, being able to function as a person and do your do whatever you want. And that applies as you get older. The younger you are, you're not thinking about it. But if you're healthy and you're working out and you're staying in shape and you have a strong back and, you know, you don't have all these issues as you get older, you're preventing yourself from becoming, you know, decrepit like not being able to do anything because then when you start having back issues and then you can't go outside and go hike or go fishing or do any things that you want to do when you're older and you have to stop working um, and you can't do the things you want because your back's fucked up you know you lose the things that make your life important in essence and then it becomes a battle of well why am I here why am I alive if I can't do anything anyways? Um, so health really is wealth because if you maintain your health, you'll be wealth in life, like wealthy in terms of your life, being able to live how you want, be independent, not need anybody, and be able to take care of yourself. And ultimately, the people that live the longest and the happiest are the people that are able to maintain that, you know? Um, what's the point of living if you make all this money but you can't even enjoy it because your back's messed up, your knees are messed up, and you have high blood pressure, and you suffer heart attacks, and you had a stroke. Then you're all fucked up, and you got all this money for what? And you can't even enjoy it. You're just worrying about the, the fact that you have to watch what you're eating and blah, blah, blah. So it just brings an interesting topic, and, you know, it, it really made me think that, you know, there's really a misalignment and we're pulled in different directions by people that influence us to believe a lie. Um, not that I think COVID is a lie because it's obviously surreal. I lost my grandfather to it and I experienced it myself even though it was very mild for me. It's real. I'm not doubting the validity of it, but it just makes me think, you know, if we were a healthy population, it really wouldn't be that much of an issue. Um, People don't talk about this as much, too, because it kind of touches on the topic. But Iceland is like a small country, yes. But it's one of the places where they have the most healthy people. And they probably have one of the lowest death counts. Because that country takes fitness and health seriously. Therefore, largely the population probably doesn't have a very hard time with the virus in general. It's just a testament to 
you know, what's really important. Um, so um, just something to end with um, on the topic is just I wanted to touch on, you know, why is this significant? You know, you hear we see things on the news and on Facebook and people saying crazy shit all the time. Um, and it, oftentimes we get sucked into that hole of feeling like we need to say something and we need to be the ones that are, you know, setting people straight or whatever, you know. We feel like our opinion is important. And it's important to realize that, you know, in terms of like what I said, your health is wealth and understanding that we can control what we control. And at the end of the day, if you want to be healthy, you have to take ownership of that. And it's the same thing in general in life. If we want to change the world, if we want to change the country, if we want to change the way things are in our culture, it starts with what you can control. And a lot of times people get wrapped up in this idea that everything will change if we just get rid of Trump or everything will change if we just defund the police or everything will change if we just get rid of this big structure. That's such a, you got to walk, I mean, you got to crawl before you walk. Meaning, we have to focus on what we can control first. So, if I am not setting a good example for the people around me and being a good person to the people around me that I have an immediate impact on, what am I doing? I'm going to go out and try to make a change in this bigger picture when I'm not even setting a good foundation. Because ultimately, think about it like this, the biggest impact we can make is the, those that we have the biggest influence on, which is the people immediately around us, your family, your friends, locally. People want to be looking at the big government, but you have a local government that have a bigger impact on your life than you could even think of. And then from there, it's just a domino effect. If you focus on what you can control around you immediately and influence and teach, inspire, lift up those around you and help in the community around you, that'll be a domino effect to spread outward to the bigger picture. But I think a lot of people get misguided with this idea of, you know, collectively we can demand the change. The change doesn't matter if you don't fundamentally change the culture from the smallest part first. That's part of the problem is people want these things, but they're not willing to change the way that things are done within themselves, within their own community first. You know, we want to set an example of what we want to transcend local to state, to federal, to the world. Ultimately, that should be the most important thing because that's what we can control, you know. Unfortunately, you or even as a collective group, we as a collective group, even, even on like if we got thousands of people, do you really think that we can make that big of a change? No, we have to 
change everything from the smallest to the medium to the large to the biggest stage first because then the thousands of people turns to millions um, and you know the best way I can describe this is there's communities around the country and it isn't exclusive to color anymore you have poor white uh, communities poor uh, Latino communities you have poor black communities that the community around them can help uplift and then you would have less crime and less issues in those places if we collectively worked on improving and bettering those places obviously there's a lot of resource that needs to go into that but if I know that in my city there's problems with homelessness and the ghetto and you know places that are poverty stricken why am I going to focus on another state or the greater picture if I can't even focus on what I can immediately affect and then once that starts to take root it'll move into a bigger a bigger scale and then it just keeps growing as you start moving that way so then you go from there's 10 of you guys to 100 to thousands of people helping in those areas locally next thing you know it becomes a statewide initiative and then you go from thousands to hundreds of thousands and then next thing you know hundreds of thousands to millions um, and it's just it, it's hard work and that's the thing is people want to skip that hard part of doing the things that make you uncomfortable you know um, but that's the biggest impact we can make and, and it happens with what you can control first um, and th th that applies with anything uh, I don't really exclusively mean with just like poverty and injustice I, I mean that with everything you know your health if health is an important thing we have to start with affecting the people around us help people that you know that are unhealthy get on track you don't have to be pushy or anything like that but offer them your help he's like hey like if you want to work out come work out with me or hey if you want some advice I'm always here just let me know um, and it, there you go there there's the health aspect starting and you're controlling what you can control first um, and then I mean it, it applies in every principle of life you know if you feel like you know people are unaccountable or have no responsibility you we as adults have a responsibility of instilling that into the younger generation instead of making fun of them and saying oh they're just millennials or gen z's they only know video games and this is not that's minimizing and dismissing them before even giving them a shot um when you have to get to know them you have to learn what how they work how they what their interests are how they function and build a bond with them to be able to inspire and influence and help them learn um, so th this this idea of taking responsibility of things that you can control to make a bigger impact transcends just any general idea it, you can really apply it to everything in your life um, and that's how we become impactful people um, and ultimately be a big change um, and find a lot of value in, in your life. Um, so 
that's what I just want to leave with on this. You know, um, COVID wasn't bad. It just made me think a little bit about a couple things and just want to leave you guys with a little motivation that, you know, um, it all starts with you. You know, it's easy to blame other people and come after other people. But, you know, we have to be introspective, look at ourselves um, and then take responsibility and control what we can tr can control and take it head on from there um, and then that's going to be the first steps to us really making an impact in the world um, and that's it for today this podcast episode 12 um, thanks for listening um, thanks for being with me like I said before if you're listening on any streaming platforms, go ahead and follow, follow along. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I know a lot of people that watch on YouTube are not subscribed. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Let me know what you like, what you want to hear. Um, and thanks for being a part of the journey. Until next time, guys. Thanks for joining us. Peace.